we have any friends who are kiddos, I would love to have a minute and chat with you if you want to come up here and join me. Surprise edition that didn't make the bulletin. It's so good to see you all. I'm sure you've had a long day at school. Yes, you have. <laughs> come on up. So I have a question. Have you ever gotten really messy? Like maybe it was after you'd had some cake or some spaghetti, or maybe you were playing outside in the dirt. Well, my Nana used to tell this story about me when I was three years old, it was quite a while ago. And apparently I had spent all day outside playing in the dirt. And my parents thought it was so funny that they sent me through the woods because we lived in the woods to my Nana's house just so I could show her and my Papa how messy it was. And do you wanna know what I think? I think God's okay with it if we get a little messy. What do you think? You don't, some of you say yes, some of you don't know. Did you know that in the Bible, it even talks about humans and dirt? Did you know that? In Genesis 2, we hear the story about how God made the first human. And when God did that, God picks up some dirt, blew into it, and made the first human. We started off messy. That's how we came into the world. So today is Ash Wednesday. Oh, thank you very much. Today is Ash Wednesday. It, later on during the service, you all and everyone else here, you're gonna be invited to come forward and get a cross of ashes either on your hand or on your forehead. And when we put those ashes, that dust on us, it reminds us that sometimes when we're being human, it gets messy, but Jesus loves us anyway. And Jesus loved us so much that he even came and got down in the dust with us. So when you see ashes, or maybe even the next time you play in the dust or the dirt, I hope you'll think about how we're connected to God and that we're loved even when we get really, really messy, which I think is pretty cool. Will y'all pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you love us no matter how messy we get, because being a human is messy. Thank you for the reminder today that you love us no matter what. Amen. All right, you can go back and sit with who you came with. I appreciate my friend who uh, picked this up for me when it fell off my face. Thank you very much. I'm not sure how many of you were able to attend Jazz Mass last night, but let me tell you, Pastor Brandon brought it. If you didn't get to hear it, please, please go back and listen to it because it is a message that the church and the world and I know myself really needed to hear right now. Pastor Brandon definitely got the party started. And I was so pumped while he was preaching and I was sitting right there just listening to him go and I thought, 
Well, dang, he's promising everybody a party and I'm supposed to talk about death. A much different vibe. But then he helped place the scripture in context. And I was like, oh, I can make this work. It's interesting how context does that. So he preached on the wedding at Cana and talked about how Jesus seriously brought the party. But directly following the party, Jesus goes up into the city and starts hard work. He starts flipping tables and changing lives. Jesus took time to be restored, time to enjoy being with others in this spirit of joy and celebration so that he could do the hard work. And today, that's when the hard work for us starts. And it starts by taking a look within ourselves at our humanness. A few weeks ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and I came across a post about, none of you'll be able to guess what I'm about to say, the Enneagram. Quint and I had just finished watching the movie Encanto on Disney and I had noticed as I was scrolling the images of the characters that had popped up. And if you follow any Enneagram people on Instagram or I don't know, other places, you may have noticed that it's a thing right now to take characters or quotes from movies and decide what Enneagram number they fit or who they are. And I, myself, being a self-appointed Enneagram expert, decided I should swipe through these images and make sure they were right. They were not. So I get through them all and I start getting this feeling of rage. What? Whoever put these images together, they were wrong, no doubt about it, and I knew it. And apparently I had just decided it was my battle to fight. So I typed out a response and I was saying why you were wrong and why I was right, and that the character you say was an eight was actually a two, and I know that because I am one and I'm married to another one, and I caught myself before I sent it, thank goodness. And I reworded it. And I was much kinder and nicer. And I posted it thinking, oh, this will be great. I've made my point. She'll say I'm right. It'll be a great day. A few minutes later, I get a notification. This person said, while I actually had a valid point, I was wrong. And went on explaining from that point why. And let me tell you, I was so ready to argue back because I knew I was right. But I took a deep breath and I was like, Katie, you're a pastor and you're trying to be commissioned. Maybe this is not where you let your anger come out. So when I take a step back and I look at this situation, I just shake my head at myself because of how deeply upset I became by someone I'd never even met about a comment on their social media concerning their opinion about an Enneagram number for a cartoon. (laughs) So I went back and uh, just wanted to give you an update. I looked at that exchange yesterday and I'm still right, but I guess her points were also valid. See, I'm usually patient to a fault and I give people the benefit of the doubt probably way more than is warranted. So this behavior was very uncharacteristic of me. And I was like, what is going on? But it highlighted this new Katie 
that I've started to see come out a little more and more over the last couple years. See, I've been existing in this time, in this space, in this myriad of situations unlike anything I've ever experienced before. But I'm not alone in that, am I? I think that's the story for everyone right now. No one is doing well. Everyone is struggling in one way or another. Most of us are just trying to survive the ongoing stream of tragedies, much less find the energy to thrive in the midst of it all. And I hope and pray that we are finally on our way out of this pandemic, but I'm sure we all still feel fatigued and I'm sure we will for a while. I know so many who have shared about being lonely or depressed, losing hope or just being angry. Sometimes it seems like you can't find the sun because there are too many clouds. And when things around us get hard, our relationships with others get really hard. And I've learned a lot about those I love during the last few months, let me tell you. But I've also learned way more about myself. And like illustrated in the Instagram incident, as it shall now be called, I learned that sometimes I just don't wanna get along cause I don't feel like it. Sometimes I wanna be grumpy and grouchy and stubborn. And why is it my job to keep working to get along with everybody? Can't somebody else do that? But in the scripture text, we hear Paul urging the people of Corinth to reconcile with one another, especially in light of their struggles. He's reminding them that they're supposed to be on the same team. They're not against each other. They're supposed to help one another, not create obstacles and barriers to make life harder on one another. Paul talks about the importance of enduring things together. You know, things like afflictions, hardships, calamities, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Any of those sound familiar? Paul is telling us that the very things that have the potential to divide us, those are the things that have the power to connect us to one another. In Feasting on the Word, which is the lectionary commentary that I use for sermon writing, one of the theologians had this to say about Paul's appeal to this church. As Paul summons the Corinthians to live faithfully, he shows his mortality and his vulnerability as a disciple. He endured beatings, imprisonment, sleepless nights, hunger, and other hardships. His ashes are showing. At first glance, these ashes are not a great sales pitch for Christianity. Yet Paul is writing to his beloved Corinthians who need a dose of encouragement in their new faith. Now, can you imagine the billboard for that community? Get your suffering here, hunger here. Today only, we've got a discount on your sleepless nights. Looking for new afflictions? We just got a fresh batch of calamities. It would not be a successful campaign. However, Paul is honest, even knowing that that's not something that people are really drawn to. But in Paul's vulnerability, he shares his own struggles honestly 
with this community, and that's powerful. There's something about our humanness that is drawn to the humanness of other people. Sometimes it's out of the most tragic stories that we hear these tales of immense kindness and connection. Humans are complicated, but Paul is honest with his community. He lets his ashes show, and there's something to be said about that radical honesty. Today, on this day that we call Ash Wednesday, we spend time reflecting on our mortality, our humanness, and our need for God. And in the ritual of placing a cross of ashes on our head or on our hand, we remember that we came from dust, that we are dust, and that we will become dust. We literally place our mortality on our foreheads for the world to see. Ash Wednesday is a day for honest reckoning with our human frailty, with our sinfulness, and our need for reconciliation with one another. And together, alongside in our communities, we can confront the uncertainty and difficulty of the human life. We get to share in this reckoning together. We share in our humanness together. We show our ashes to one another in loving vulnerability. And like I said, I've noticed over the last couple of years that I tend to show my humanity, my mortality, my ashes way more than I used to. Definitely more than just the one Wednesday out of the church year. And since reading this commentary, I've started to catch myself when I feel a little salty. And I think, okay, come on, Katie, your ashes are showing. Take a deep breath, let's move on. And then sure enough, I'm on my way to work and someone forgets to use their turn signal or they make a comment that bugs me or something else that's really petty. And I find myself getting all worked up. And I think, okay, Katie, your ashes are back. They're showing again. My ashes just won't go away. It happened to me a few times when I was in college. I would go somewhere following an Ash Wednesday service and I would run into someone and they would try to be really helpful and be like, you've got something on your face. There's something about bearing our ashes that gets people's attention. And let's be honest, there's a part of us that really likes to see other people's ashes and other people's mistakes. And sometimes there are certain people, I'm sure we can all think of a few, that you can really see when their ashes are showing. Am I right? And in those moments, I try to decide, should I tell them or not? It's almost like, do you have something stuck in your teeth? Or do you come out of the bathroom with toilet paper stuck to your foot? I'm never sure if it makes things more or less embarrassing when you point it out. And this humor, it helps me navigate this new aspect of my own humanness. But it also reminds me of what the season of Lent symbolizes, our deep need for grace and salvation. We have been constantly confronted by the awful realities of death, disease, violence, hatred, and war. Our humanness, our struggles are so loud these days. And often, our ashes show up in these tiny, minuscule moments 
I don't know, like with a silly Instagram post. And there are other times that God uses our ashes to draw attention to things that we may have been ignorant to. If you think about it, our communal ashes as a nation, as a community of faith, we've been showing our ashes in such a way that we've been forced to deal with social injustices like never before. And it's work that's been long overdue and it's work that we still must continue to do. Showing our ashes while painful is part of this spiritual journey that we're on. And maybe it's even part of that seriously partying like Pastor Brandon talked about last night. Sometimes we need to show one another our ashes, show one another our humanness, our vulnerabilities, our mortality, so that we might experience grace in new ways. Only a few verses before this scripture passage that Pastor Maggie read, Paul is talking about how in Christ, we are a new creation. But how can we be a new creation if we have ashes on our head? But we can. Ashes bring forth growth. They're part of the cycle. And often things have to die in order for new things to spring forth. So as much as they bother us, we need our ashes. As you go out today and tomorrow and the next day and the next, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll see a lot of ashes, both literally and figuratively. And when someone's ashes are showing, may it remind us of our deeply human need for grace. Because chances are, our ashes might be showing too. So as you come forward in a few moments tonight to receive your ashes, I hope you'll think about what they symbolize for you on this Ash Wednesday, especially after all we've been through and how much more aware so many of us are of our humanness. Where do you feel extra human lately? Where is it you struggle? Where in your life do you need to feel more grace? Where is your mortality getting the best of you? Where have your ashes been showing?